I'm Jeff MacArthur. Back on a Thursday, a joint House-Senate committee will soon review the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act. And much like the use of the act itself, the process to review its use is proving controversial. And joining us now, the original architect of the Emergencies Act, Perrin Beatty, joins us. Perrin, good afternoon. Really appreciate your time. Good afternoon, Jeff. Glad to be with you. All right. Tell us about this committee, first off, if you could, and why many, including, I understand yourself, not really holding out much hope for it. What we did when we created the Emergencies Act was to build in layers of protection for, first of all, for civil rights, but secondly, to build in layers of of protection for the role of parliament. We recognize there are going to be instances where when you have an emergency, it's necessary to give special powers to government. But whenever that takes place, there has to be special accountability as well, and the parliament has a key role to play. So we built in a process for a parliamentary committee of both the Senate and the House of Commons to be struck to review how the act was being used. And uh, the goal was to ensure that there was that sort of part of that sort of parliamentary oversight and to hope that it could be done in a spirit of, of bipartisanship. But like so many things these days, uh, the belief here is that it's just become a two-partisan uh, politics, I guess, as a whole or in general. But uh, when we look at uh, debating the use of this Emergencies Act, that this is uh, just going to be split down party lines? And that's a real concern because this is the first time that the act has been used. And uh, we were able to, when we replaced the old War Measures Act, something that was extremely controversial, by working together, we had a majority in the House of Commons, a very large majority, but the approach that I took with, with Parliament and with the Parliamentary Committee was to invite members of the opposition to propose improvements to it. And we accepted literally dozens and dozens of amendments to it, with the result that we had a better bill and that on third reading, the vote in the House of Commons was unanimous. And uh, it really spoke to the spirit with which members of Parliament approached something that was so important to Canadians. We should be doing the same thing now and sitting down and say, okay, what are the lessons that we've learned here in terms of, of first of all, whether it was necessary to invoke the act, secondly, in terms of the powers that were used, are there ways in which we can make changes to ensure that it doesn't have to be used in the future because it's designed as a measure of last resort after everything else has failed? Mm-hmm. Those are some important questions, and I was about to ask you, what is the one question you're hoping gets answered through this uh, process? Is it uh, what constitutes an emergency? Is it as basic as that? It's how do we avoid ever having to use it again? We have to have it on the books. We know there are going to be emergencies, and it's critical to have legislation like this to be able to respond. But wherever possible, we should be looking at using ordinary legislation and making amendments to it or bringing in other programs that will enable governments to be able to respond effectively. You know, an example of where you might have to use the Emergencies Act would be if you had a, uh, a uh, well, take, for example, a, an earthquake in the lower mainland of British Columbia, that it could be more than the provincial government and local governments had the ability to deal with. So the federal government would have to help. They might have to commandeer personal private, personal property, they might have to restrict freedom of movement and so on. Um, And so they need that sort of a power to be able to act very quickly to respond in an emergency. But you have to also build into that the ability to protect civil rights and to have parliamentary oversight. If it's possible to use other legislation, that should be the priority. Now, we heard in the case of 
the Emergencies Act, that one of the reasons for invoking it was that that uh, under provincial legislation, you didn't have the power to commandeer tow trucks and to require them to tow trucks away from in front of Parliament Hill. Now, Ontario is the only jurisdiction in Canada that doesn't have that capacity built into its legislation. Far better to amend that than to have to rely on, on bringing in the, the Emergencies Act in the future. Mm-hmm. Same way, we, we created a, a red zone in downtown Ottawa. Um, far better to have other legislation in place that would prevent the situation where, where we would have to invoke the Emergencies Act. Same with border crossings and the like. We were able to clear the, the blockade of the Ambassador Bridge and at other uh, border uh, crossings across the country without actually using the Emergencies Act. Uh, let's look at what lessons can be learned from that to ensure that we have the capacity to respond to blockades of critical infrastructure without having to use emergencies legislation. So let me ask you, as the architect of the Emergencies Act back in 1987, what did you think of its application, its use, and what have you, what have been your thoughts kind of uh, watching events unfold as they have uh, in Ottawa over the last uh, month or so? Um, if you go back to, to the time, we were, I think all of us had uh, our views on the shape by the experience of the October 1970 crisis when the civil rights of Canadians right from one coast to another were suspended, where we had hundreds of people swept up in the dark of night, thrown into prison without, the, without any charges and without the ability to see a lawyer. And we were determined to make sure that this would never come again. But we also recognized that there were going to be emergencies that, that you know, none of us would know exactly what form they would take, but we would have to deal with emergencies in the future and the governments would, would need the ability to move very quickly and effectively if they were going to save people's lives and protect their freedoms. But to the, the quid pro quo for being able to do that was to build in the, those protections for civil rights and the, uh, and the role of parliament. So that's what we had in mind without knowing exactly the type of crisis that we'd see in the future. Looking at the application of the act, um, I think it's held up pretty well, frankly. This is 35 years later. And uh, if you look at the success in terms of, in terms of limiting its application and, uh, and how it was used in terms of building and protections, such as the fact that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms applies to it, um, I think it's held, up, it's held up pretty well. The questions now that, uh, that have to be asked were, did it meet the threshold for invoking the act in the first place, which is that there was such a grave emergency that there was no other way of dealing with it, and were the measures that were taken uh, by the government under it appropriate, and are there ways in which we can make improvements to ensure that that uh, we don't have to resort, resort to emergencies legislation in the future. All right, and just finally, i got less than a minute, but let me ask you, on that point, now that it's been used once, is there a concern? Do you have a concern it'll be easier to use again? Yes. Uh, to put it in one word, yes, I do. Uh, it's similar to the notwithstanding clause in the Constitution. Uh, once you uh, invoke it the first time, it becomes easier each subsequent time that it gets used. And that's precisely why we don't want to have governments resorting to the Emergencies Act as a, as a first recourse. You want to ensure that there's other legislation in, in place that provides the minimum authority necessary to be able to effectively deal with a problem. All right. Got to leave it there. Perrin, really appreciate the time and the perspective. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me.
You bet. Perrin Beatty, who is the architect of the Emergencies Act, which, of course, was uh, written back in 1987 under the Mulroney government on this. A joint House-Senate committee will be watching this very closely as they're going to review the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act a few weeks back. We'll get a break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.